Welcome to the Defining Endurance Podcast, a show focused on celebrating the everyday lives of athletes, coaches, and business owners. In this podcast, we break down both the applied science of training and the larger-than-life concepts of how people tackle their lives' biggest goals. We do this by embracing the mental, physical, and emotional demands of what it truly takes to be an endurance athlete. I'm your host, Andrew Simmons. I'm the head coach overseeing adult running programs Lifelong Endurance as well as the head running coach at Peak Performance Running here in Golden, Colorado. Most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of endurance sports, interested in understanding how we can reach our personal athletic potential. I want to thank you for joining me. Now let's dive into this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Defining Endurance Podcast. I am Lexi Miller, joined today by Coach Andrew Simmons. How's it going, guys? Really excited to be here. This is actually a really fun topic. I think this is one that uh, we see quite a bit as coaches, but also it's probably one of our most questions on our Instagram as well as all our other social media feeds. Yeah, so if any of you follow us on social media, we do our Wednesday office hours where we ask our athletes for their top questions about any topic. Uh, we thought it'd be kind of fun to collect some of those questions and bring them into different themes for this podcast. So today we're going to talk about fueling for your training, what you should be eating before, during, and after your workout so you have the most energy. Yeah, this is, uh, again, I think everybody's everybody looks at fueling a little bit differently. I think there's... Uh, so much to cover, whether it's talking about, you know, diets and, you know, actual like nutrition and fueling. So I, we've got some really good questions that are that are outlined, but I did want to be really clear. We're not going to talk about diets today. No, there's definitely, you know, we're going to kind of talk about what we learned when we got our certifications as yeah. to how you should fuel um, and what has been the industry standard since forever mm -hmm. opposed to yeah there's definitely things we could go into about ketogenics and intermittent fasting yeah. and paleo and everything else uh but that would be a really long podcast and i don't think it's going to get anybody anywhere i think anybody that's going to be listening to this podcast and so our listeners out there this is guidance this is a, a great place to start i think um you know the undertone here is that everybody has to understand that there is some necessary experimentation that comes with training, you know, you have to figure out what works for you. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that's number one. And so know that that's kind of the undercurrent here. Everything that we're going to say has been either things that we've learned as athletes, uh, you know, recommendations that we've given as coaches, um, you know, all, all of those things are really the big undercurrents here. So just know that going in that, um, you know, all of these things, please take with an understanding that Try it for yourself. There may be things here that absolutely don't work for you. And there may be some other things here that are like, this changed my running. Uh, this changed my, my comfort. So I'm excited to hop into this. Ready to get started? Yeah. So our first question is, should I eat before I run? If so, how much and when? Mm. Yeah, again, um, to reiterate my earlier point, you got to figure out what works for you. I think it also goes back to time of day quite a bit. For me, if I'm getting out of bed and I got to get my miles in, I'm not eating anything because I have a pretty sensitive stomach. Um, if I do have something, it might be like a 10 ounce latte because I am a big coffee guy. Um, I'm a whole milk guy. Um, you know, those things sit well with me and work well for me. Not everybody can get along with dairy. Um, but by majority, if I'm running later in the day, uh, 90 minutes to two hours is when I'm going to have a meal. You know, it's not just a toast and peanut butter and head out the door kind of thing. 
if I'm going to, if I need to eat a full meal, then I'm going to run 90 minutes to two hours later. Absolutely. Um, that's, I would say if a run is over 90 minutes, um, you probably should be fueling beforehand and trying to get in, get in a full meal one to two hours before that. Um, maybe a smaller snack, a little bit closer to it. Um, you know, everyone's different in the mornings. I know a lot of athletes wake up hungry, especially if they're training. And so, um, while they still might have that stomach issue, Mm. they, you know, kind of finding what works for you. A lot of times like half a banana can be something that will just get that metabolism kicking in a little bit. So you're not feeling completely fatigued. Um, you know, the coffee and creamer is another one that some athletes that works really well for them. It gives them, you know, a few calories, um, a little bit of protein, a little bit of carbohydrates and a little bit of that caffeine energy to get them going. Um, but I'd say the most important thing is if your run is going over 90 minutes or if you're running a couple hours into the day, um, it's not the first thing out of bed, uh, making sure that you're getting something in your body. Um, though if you are someone who is right now just focused on kind of speeding up the metabolism, you've always had a little bit of a slower one, doing that fasted shorter run in the morning can actually kind of increase that metabolism. Yeah. It can be a nice little trick that way and wake you up. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to go out and run in the morning, I'm usually not going to run for more than an hour with the exception of the weekends. Um, and I, and I tend to like to have my weekend start a little bit slower. I'm kind of personal that way. I'm not getting out the door at 7am unless I have to, unless it's going to be super hot during the summer. So if it's like a Tuesday morning, like speed workout, you know, I'm probably going to still maybe have a little something. So I, I, I've got something to tank that might just be like a toast and peanut butter toast, you know, and, uh, peanut butter and honey, something like that. That's pretty dry. It's not too complex. That half a banana thing has always worked really well for me. Um, but what I do is I kind of always take something with me. Um, you know, just even if I've had a gel that's in my belt for probably like (laughs) a month. Um, cause I I don't ever really go on needing it, but I always, it's kind of one of those for me that it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Uh, because bonking on a, on your morning run is not a fun way to start the day. No, absolutely not. And again, you just never know how your body's going to truly feel. Yeah. Uh, you could not need anything 90% of the time, but that one morning you wake up just depleted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to make everything a little bit better. Absolutely. Uh, the next thing is caffeine. Is it okay to drink caffeine before a workout or could it help the workout? Yeah. I mean, you know, we can get into what caffeine actually does. I think one of those things um, is it's known to, one, pick up your heart rate. <clears throat> so... Again, if you're using heart rate as your metric for data, um, that could skew things a little bit. Uh, is it bad for you, right? Is that if that's the question? No, it's not bad for you. I think it's about knowing whether how it affects you is is super important. Um, but for me, I I love caffeine before workout. You know, kind of kind of picks me up, peps me up. It's a personal thing. I like it, but I'm also a big caffeine guy. Yeah, um, I read this really cool study. It was how to use caffeine as a performance enhancing device. Um, and safely say, well, yes. So if Wada is, is listening, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, so essentially it's six milligrams per kilogram of body weight is mm-hmm. going to be the ideal amount to, to get, you know, so that you, you're at your best. You're yeah. not overdoing it and you're not underdoing it. Right. Um, the thing I do always say, if you're like me, you know, that Saturday long run, I might be driving to a trailhead to do something more in the mountains. Um, and I might drink a little bit too much caffeine on that drive. I might not get enough food yeah. and that can really mess with your stomach. It can really mess with your heart rate. Um, and just kind of throw things off that way. So make sure that if you are, if you are a big coffee drinker, like both Andrew and I are, that you're getting lots of water, you're getting lots of electrolytes and you're not overdoing it before that long run, because that can just lead to a really poopy day. 
Yeah, literally and figuratively. I think that's one of the big things that comes with caffeine um, or even coffee, uh, warm liquids and tea. Um, you know, pro tip for those that are out there, if uh, it's one of those runs where it's like, I don't know how many bathrooms are going to be around here. I think, uh, you know, also to give people uh, a heads up here. Yeah, we're going to talk about running and pooping on this one. Uh, this is a big conversation because gastrointestinal distress ain't no fun. Um, caffeine definitely speeds up all things, including your heart rate, but also uh, gastric emptying. Uh, so anytime that you're putting caffeine in, especially warm liquids, uh, as, as we say in the industry, uh, it gets the colon rolling. Uh, so if you got to take care of that business or you struggle to take care of that business, um, before, um, you go for a run, uh, my two tips for that, uh, I know that wasn't one thing that we had on here, um, is one, just like, a four ounces of warm water, whether that's tea or coffee, you know, four to four to eight, um, you know, that can definitely be something that kind of help help take care of things. Again, timing is everything. Don't take that out the door. Don't drink your coffee on the way to your run. Uh, if you don't have a bathroom at your run, um, the other thing I like to do is like just step outside and get some fresh air in the morning as I drink it. I've always noticed that like that step outside, that fresh air, it does something for me. Um, and so that just kind of takes care of things. Um, but yeah, caffeine, no problems there. Yeah, it's in, you know, maybe don't start it if you're not already using it before yeah. the long run, just like you wouldn't start before a race, but you know, it's not going to hurt anything. Be, have fun. Yeah. Um, How much should I eat and drink during a workout? What should I eat and drink during a workout? And do I need to fuel my daily runs or just the long runs? Or workouts. Yeah. Wow. There's a, there's a, that's a. It's, it's a, a big one, but I think it, it all it can all combine. Yeah. Um. So for shorter workouts, um, say you're going to the track. It's not going to hurt you to bring along a water bottle. Um, you know, you might not need it, but just kind of as we talked about with the gel in the pack, you know, why not bring it, leave it by the track while you run? Mm -hmm. Even if you run there, you know, it's not going to ruin your day. Um, you might not need any kind of food during that, but it might be nice to have something for afterward if you really tax yourself. Um, just to have a little snack before you jog home or before you drive home. Um, what do you think for shorter workouts? Yeah, for shorter workouts, you know, and, and I, I think I, I tend to categorize this a little bit more by what the athlete is training for, what the athlete, you know, might be focused on. I think the big one for me, um, 5K, 10K athletes, um, you know, you are going to be leveraging more of that carbohydrate system, right? We're going to be kind of tapping into that a little bit more and you might find that um, that's where you might struggle or fade in a workout is if you feel like your energy is low. Um, so it doesn't have to be like a carbo pro mix or anything, but they've done studies that show that even if you just take in a carbohydrate drink into your mouth and even spit it out, you get a lot of the same effects. It's not like you're absorbing carbohydrates in through your tongue, but it's, it's almost one of those, uh, just like effects where you get, you get stimulated by, uh, you know, what's, what's in the, the drink. Um, but I personally will take, um, a water bottle with some mix in it. Um, I just tend to be someone that needs a little bit more sodium um, and and carbohydrates. I like to have it, and sometimes it's it's that mental like, okay, I'm on the last set of these 400s. I just took a you know I've got some good energy that I just took in. That's going to help me get through the rest of this workout. So um, that's that's kind of how I look at shorter workouts. Start to talk about half marathon, marathon type workouts where it's like you might be doing a six mile tempo 
or you know some of the bigger workouts, more high performance athletes, 16 by 400, 20 by 400, eight by 800. Those, those are bigger workouts where we're doing four miles of work at a pretty intense pace. Um, yeah, consider maybe fueling partway through that. Again, it kind of can be one of those strategies of like, if I can get through half of this, then I'll get a gel. And it can be kind of using some calories to kind of motivate and kind of bring you up in a workout. Um, is it always necessary? No. And again, I think there's energy systems training where it's like you're purposely trying to work on that level of fatigue. Um, that's a strategy. If some people struggle later in races that, hey, we're going to push off taking things until the, the latter part of that workout. Um, but I think when it comes to like long runs, like fasted long runs and going into those things, man, I, I personally have a hard time with that. Um, I just, I think, you know, that goes into a whole conversation about ketosis and fasted running. That is just not what this is about today. Um, I'm here to talk about fueling and not a lack thereof. And so I believe that fueling for most workouts to me looks like about a hundred to 150 calories per hour. Um, and again, those can come in many different, you know, ways. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit later on the podcast. And then I usually end up somewhere around about, you know, a, a half ounce to an ounce and a half. It's a pretty big range, um, per mile, especially when we're racing, uh, when it comes to hydrating, um, that's all, a lot has to do in terms of that calorie range and that hydration range comes to size of the person. Smaller humans need less. Larger humans need more, period. And so, you know, constraining yourself, if you're not fueling enough and you feel like you're bonking and you're only taking in 100 calories per hour, don't try to manipulate your fueling strategy to 100 calories per hour. What's the point? You're just trying to hit an arbitrary number for an arbitrary reason. Increase your calories, increase your hydration if those are the things that you're struggling with. Then on top of that, take into the factors of what are the environmental factors? Is it hot? Is it cold? Both of those are going to demand more or less in terms of hydration and calories. Hard stop, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely agree. I usually tell athletes, depending on their size, one to 200 calories, the only slight difference there. Yeah. And that's, you know, especially uh, ultra running, people tend to be carrying more weight too, mm -hmm. uh, which is so, that's typically more who I work with. So I think of like, okay, they're carrying more weight. We might need to eat and drink a little bit more because we're also sweating a little bit more. Um, so carbs are going to be the, the most efficient fuel source. Um, so really when you're packing that pack or your little waist belt or whatever you're using yeah. to bring along your snackies, um, looking at more carbohydrates, um, again, we're not going to go into all the different diets. It's just going to be the most efficient. It's going to be the fastest fuel source. It's the safest fuel source. It's the safest fuel source. And it's going to break down those fats and proteins in your body. Um, it's going to aid in that unless you've already trained your body not to do that. Um, it's, it's going to be what's going to get you the most. Yeah. And, uh, oh, oh no, I was just going to say, I think I want to also make considerations that how you fuel for a workout versus a race versus a race of distance, mm -hmm. right? Like having worked with athletes that are doing hundred mile and 200 mile races, the further you go, the more you can get away with. And I think what I want to say there, and again, I got an eye roll from Lexi here is when I say can get away with, you know, we're, we're not moving at 
as fast of a rate. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit about kind of when we get into trouble with gastrointestinal distress. But we talk about a little bit about protein. Mm-hmm. We can talk oh, a little yeah. bit. I, I have that coming. We're coming, Don't guys. Uh, so, yeah. So, I don't think, you know, run two, three hours. We're going to do mostly carbohydrates. Yeah, still. Once we start getting over that, we might start to incorporate some fats. Um, this is where, you know, a lot of ultra runners might throw in that turkey and cheese sandwich. Exactly. Uh, that's a common one. You know, something that's just going to get you a little bit of that longer lasting fuel source. Um, and then just kind of, you know, break down a little bit differently in your stomach. So we're not just like flying through the carbohydrates because that's when we can kind of, again, start to get some of that GI issue. And that was mostly my point earlier is you're not going to have a, do your eight by eight hundreds and take a bite of sandwich. No. Uh, then once we start to get into a, you know, if you're going on a huge long run and adventure, you know, something that might go up to eight hours around hour five is when we might want to start getting in some protein because we're going to have some muscle breakdown. Um, So, you know, again, this doesn't have to be that you bring along, like, the leftover steak from last night, uh, but something like jerky, something like peanut butter, you know, something that's just going to give you a little bit of a a little mix, um, it's going to be really beneficial. Um, As far as water, totally on the same page as Andrew, I usually tell my athletes every 20 to 25 minutes, um, trying to consume two to four ounces per hour. Uh, So I, I go, again, that's a little bit more than what Andrew was saying. Yeah. I always say that because athletes tend to underdrink. Um, so if they're, you know, if they're thinking they're getting two ounces, it's probably like one ounce. Um, cause you take a few steps and you're like, yeah, that was plenty. I feel totally. Yeah. I like to do two things here. Um, and two things to say is one, take a sip every song. If you're listening to music, you know, every three minutes, I'm not taking a full glug mouthful and getting a quarter of my 20 ounce bottle in. I'm talking a sip. This is a sip with every song. It's a very safe way to slowly bring some of that in. Um, I know one of the questions that's going to come here is, okay, so then where do carbohydrate drink mixes and you know electrolyte mixes come in? Here's the thing. And this is what I want to say, again, as a preface, is you can't just fuel on water and water alone um, because you can go into the spectrum of hyponitremia where you've actually flushed away all of those electrolytes in your body. Not all of them, but getting to a point where it's dangerously low for your body. Start overtaxing uh, the kidneys. The kidneys are there to, to do the, the work of filtering all this stuff out in this waste and we kind of flush too much water through them. It's like they go into overtime. Um, So we have to find a a solid balance there. And this is where we get to talk about bathroom time again. Mostly what we're looking here is our gauge is urine color uh, to make sure that if we're very, very dark, um, you know, giving ourselves more electrolytes, but then also hydrating more. There's a balance there. If you find that you're, you know, really someone that sweats a lot, if you have salt stains on your shirt when you finish a run, you're someone that needs more sodium. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, that's the weather is going to be a big thing humidity, the kind of running that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, if it's a lot of hill climbing, you're probably going to be sweating a lot more than you're used to. And then, yeah, there's people who are just sweatier. There's people who have faster metabolisms, and that means they're also burning through water faster, not just food. Um, Again, if you're just a bigger person, uh, all those mean you're going to need a little bit more water. You're going to need a little bit more electrolytes. Again, what I encourage athletes is every, you know, two to three times you drink water, taking a sip of electrolyte. Um, You know, and it's, it's not hard for people to want to drink electrolytes. I think it's just hard for them to want to carry it. Yeah. Um, the other issue we've both seen is people who only want to carry electrolytes. Um, they might only fuel with noon or tailwind. 
um, which while those are great because they also have some calories and that's why people like them so much, they're also not going to replace water. Right. Um, so you, you do need to be alternating between the two. Yeah. I think the, the thing here to understand guys and take away is that, you know, to break down carbohydrates, um, you know, CHO, right. It's carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. You need, you need the H2O in there, uh, to, to completely break those things down, especially in your gut. Um, so that's important to, to also have on board with you, just plain water. All right. So our next question is how do you deal with a sensitive stomach while running? Um, so I'm someone with a very sensitive stomach. Um, and I've also worked with many athletes who, you know, a lot of it's going to be trial and error. You're just going to mm-hmm. have to unfortunately deal with some, some funky tummy while you find out what foods and what drinks work well for you. Eating smaller amounts slightly more often is probably going to be better rather than eating every 30 minutes or every hour, you know, what your friends might do. Maybe taking small bites every 10 to 20 minutes, letting it digest, making sure you're getting a sip of water every time you eat, making sure that you're keeping up with the sodium or the carbohydrates while you eat and drink. Um, It's going to help a little bit. Yeah, I think, um, you know, one of the big things I've seen here is this is where, um, you know, food, food allergies tend to enter the chat. Um, and this is where people that have food allergies really struggle is with sensitive stomachs. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to, to, to this, this, I guess, juncture, it's what are you eating before? And then what are you eating during that might be facilitating this? I think, um, big point to get across here is talking about, um, you know, why we might experience that. Um, when we are working at around our threshold, um, the faster we go, the harder we go, the higher that heart rate starts to get. What starts to happen is blood starts to move away from extremities and starts, you know, it's got to, we have to have blood going to the brain, the heart, the legs, and the lungs, right? Especially when we're running. So the faster we go. Where we start to shunt blood away from is the stomach. And when we do that, we're not processing food as quickly. And that's why we use carbohydrates, especially in gel form, because when you add water to the gel, it breaks down into your bloodstream very quickly. If you're having more solid foods and then you go and you either go out and run hard and had a meal too close to a hard workout or things like that, or you're in a longer race and then all of a sudden you've got a big climb and you just shoot your pace up, heart rate goes up. Um, What's happening there is you have that food now sitting in your upper intestine and it's not getting the blood it needs to start breaking down because again, proteins uh, and fats require the most blood for us to process them efficiently and actually metabolize them into glucose. So when we don't have that blood and it's being shunted away, those things start to ferment, okay? And that's where we start to get that bloated feeling. That's when we might throw up. Uh, That's when uh, a result down the road might also be something like a loose stool, diarrhea, and things like that. Unfun stuff usually results from eating things that are, you know, heavier and dense tends to be proteins and fats. Um, so that's that's one big thing. I think the other thing that I'll encourage people to do um, is if they are struggling with certain foods, 
you have to keep a food journal sometimes when it comes to having a sensitive stomach and kind of creating a list of known good things you can eat before you go out for a run. I think one of the big areas, and you guys can look this up, I'll put this in the show notes, um, is, and this is the only time I'll talk a little bit about diet, um, is most runners tend to fall into the FODMAPs, and I'm not even going to try, but it's basically fermentable ali oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polys. And these are basically like different short chain carbohydrates where like a pepper or Granny Smith apples and those kind of things, they tend to have um, a higher amount that may not process well in the gut or cause extreme gastric emptying. And that's when we get out and we might get a mile or two out into the run. And it's like, oh my God, I need to get home right now. It's looking at what you're eating beforehand. Those might be safe dinner items but they are not safe to have before we go out to run because it's like hitting fast forward in our stomach. So how do you deal with a sensitive stomach? I think he hit some great points as far as like smaller bites more often, but also just taking inventory about what works. Mm -hmm. And it's again, you know, every race might be different for you. Every workout might be different for you. It's, it's just kind of figuring out like, okay, if plan A fails, making sure that you have a plan B and a plan C so that you're not going through a long run completely unnourished. Um, so next one, when and what should I eat after a run? Um, I always, this is something I've dealt with strangely, mostly with younger women, like primarily twenties, early thirties, is they have trouble, uh, eating after they work out, um, just the stomach or like they're busy and just trying to get off somewhere. And they've had a lot of issues with just like feeling achy and tired and sore. Um, so really the best thing to do is just try to get something in as soon as you're done. Um, it doesn't have to be a big meal. Um, something with a little bit of protein and electrolytes is ideal. So if you're able to get a smoothie, Greek yogurt and some fruit, um, you know, peanut butter and jelly on whole wheat bread, those can all be things that will give you a little bit of nutrients and hold you over until you're able to get in that full meal. Um, how about for you? Yeah, I think people that are struggling with that, I tend to also see, and this is, you know, um, I tend to see this more as also a hormonal thing because right after we finish, um, right, our body is now going into this process of like recovery. Again, you know, there's been multiple studies that have come out as like, is there truly a recovery window when you're more vasodilated so you're able to take in more nutrients and things like that? Could be, right? It's, it's, a, it's a solid could be. But you definitely do want to eat after a workout, you know, the longer you go without putting calories into the system, the longer you're not putting protein, fats, and carbohydrates into the system, the more chance that you're going to be sore the next day uh, because you you delayed that recovery process. Whether it's a half an hour after or 45 minutes after, I've always kind of lived by a rule of like roughly 300 calories after a pretty good hard run. This is your workouts. These are your long runs. And then within 90 minutes to two hours, you're having a full meal, 1,000 to 1,500 calories to replace a lot of what you put in there. Again, I don't look at my calorie counter on my Garmin to go, okay, I had three, I burned 359 calories. I better eat 359 calories. Not all calories are created equal for sure. Um, but when we talk about what should that post-run meal look like, I love chocolate milk. It's carbs, fat, and protein. It's a great, you know, and I'm not, I'm not Mr. Dairy over here. Maybe almond milk. I don't care. But it's a liquid. It's easy to buy pretty much anywhere. Gas stations have it all the time. 
And it's something that's very quick. Now, do you need, you know, a protein shake with BCAAs and all this crazy stuff? No. Just get food and calories in your body, and hopefully they're good and well-rounded. Absolutely. Um, so next, uh, what should I be eating throughout the week so I have the most energy? And how much should I eat? <sighs> Ask a nutritionist. I, I hate to say this one. Like, this is where, like, I have to... We as coaches have to know our expertise. When I get asked really complex questions like, hey, what, what should my macros be? Ask an expert. This is a place where, you know, how much and how often and things like that. Man, I, I, I'm much, much more talented at helping you figure out what you need to do during a workout and how to fuel for your, your workouts and your races. Not telling you how many pieces of asparagus and, you know, how many fist-sized, you know, pieces of of, you know, protein do you need? What should your plate look like? For me, I keep it pretty simple. I'm, I've been a vegetarian for almost 15 years. Eat colorful things, have some carbohydrates, and then eat your sweets and other things in moderation. Yeah. Um, typically, I encourage, you know, fats and proteins are going to help with long-term energy yeah. and muscle recovery. Um, carbohydrates, are, as we talked about, are going to be the efficient fuel energy source. Um, you know, I think with a lot of times with energy, it's if you're eating a lot of processed foods, you might just feel like be feeling more bloated, which is going to make you feel a little bit slower. Um, so, you know, making sure that you are getting exactly right, those fruits and vegetables, colorful things that, that you know, are just going to give you a little bit more life. Same with a lot of times it's water. Um, mm -hmm. If someone's saying they're just feeling fatigued throughout the day, they're not feeling like they have enough energy. A lot of times it comes down to not hydrating enough. Yeah. Um, maybe drinking caffeine too late into the day so that they're not like getting that full. That's recovery. not me at all, Lexi. Um, <laughs> so yeah, exactly right. If you feel like it's an issue, if you feel like you, and we'll probably talk about this a little bit later when we talk about supplements, a dietitian, Ooh, yeah. a doctor who you should be consulting with. Um, generally though, you know, we can tell you that carbohydrates are going to be efficient. Fats and proteins are going to give you some more long-term energy you know, whole natural foods are going to make you feel yeah. better overall. I found for me that, you know, if after a really hard workout, you got to get your dark leafy greens in, uh, right? There's, you know, your, your, I won't get into why, but dark leafy greens, especially do a great job of helping your body recover mm -hmm. naturally. Um, and again, we'll talk about this in supplements. Absolutely. Um, should I be losing or gaining weight during a training cycle? Maybe. Uh, yeah, so I think both, if you're doing it in excess, it's something worth examining. Yeah. Um, while training for a race or an A event, like weight loss should not be your goal. But Lexi, I thought that during a marathon, I was going to lose weight because I'm, I'm now doing all this mileage. I'm running really far on the weekends. Shouldn't I be losing weight? Oh my gosh, the number of times. probably. probably How many times have we been asked that oh question? Oh my gosh. Ugh. I mean, I think I did that. My first marathon, I ran to lose weight. Yeah. Uh, I was 23. Um, but yeah, it's... It's so common. And I mean, so you might do both. Yeah. Um, if you're focusing on losing weight, your muscles aren't going to be getting enough energy. Uh, under fueling, man. So under fueling, you're going to be running slower. Yeah. Um, and in a second, I'll talk about why you might and actually cause you to gain weight. Yeah. Um, so if you, you know, you might settle into your training cycle mm -hmm. and you might kind of go like my body always just goes to like marathon weight, mm -hmm. which is I'll lose a couple of pounds not intentionally and I'll just be like oh this is where my body is happiest this is where it's most efficient um but it's never more than five percent of my current body weight yeah and if it is that's concerning uh because that's when we're kind of losing an excessive amount of weight mm -hmm. and where you're probably underserving yourself yeah what's more common uh and again I'll kind of speak more towards women 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure this happens with men more as well, but I've only seen this happen with my female athletes. Is we might get a lot of bloating and water retention. Yeah. Uh, the reason this happens is that we have our stress hormone cortisol kind of kicking into action. Our body doesn't differentiate stress. It doesn't know training stress from work stress from mm-hmm. life stress. So what your body knows is even while running might make your brain feel real good and happy and you're working towards a goal, your body is like, oh, we're doing this stressful thing. And then we go and we sit in the stressful office for a few hours and then we go home and we're stressed. So we're just stressed all the time. Right. And so it's going to increase your cortisol levels and cause a little bit of bloating, uh, which is going to, you know, increase your weight. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hormones, man. Like it's that's I think one of the biggest things is that like your diet. It has a huge impact on your hormonal response. Again, seeing stress in one direction and not trying to truncate the idea that, okay, this is, I should have perfect energy because I didn't do a hard workout yesterday, but you know, it's totally wall to wall crazy at home and at work. It, your body doesn't differentiate. No. And so then that's the other thing is when you're trying to lose weight. One, carbohydrates go to your brain and help with brain function. So if yep. you're cutting out carbohydrates while you're training, not only are you not getting that energy, but your little brain is freaking the F out because it doesn't know <laughs> yeah. what's happening and can't process. I used to work in an eating disorder center and that was so common. Like once people started eating carbohydrates again, you're like, oh my gosh. Clarity. Clarity. Their brain, like brain functions back. Um, the other thing is if you're, your body does, you know, we're wired to be these primitive humans, right? And so if it thinks you're going into a famine and running from a weird predator for hours a day it's gonna start holding on to everything you give it um again something i often saw in the eating disorder center is a lot of times uh the clients who went there had a lot of weight around their stomachs Mm -hmm. because their body was so desperately hanging on to any fat that it could get any weight it could get that they would actually end up gaining weight um before things got really severe our Um, damn monkey brains little monkey brains um so if you're trying to lose weight during a marathon or during a training cycle, you're probably going to end up gaining it. Yeah. So just, you know, and I think it's like, well, then how do the pros have these like super lean body masses? Well, genetics play a huge role into that. Um, and I think the other thing is, is that, you know, you can't look at your body's adaptation during a single training cycle. You know, the more mileage you put in the things like that, your body will tend to lean out more naturally and this is a process over time and again we've both talked about this ad nauseum on blogs and things like that if you're going to try and lose weight increase muscle mass whatever it is when you're building up that's not the time to do it because that's when your body is going to demand the most calories and you're also going to have to use fueling as a strategy for both recovery and energy expenditure. So why would you try to lose weight during a buildup? It's 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 counterintuitive. That's the hardest amount of work and your body is going to demand the most. So you're going to underfuel it. You're either A, going to end up with stress fracture or you're going to end, end up not hitting your goals for a number of other reasons. If you're going to try to lose weight, add muscle, whatever it is, that's a great thing you can do during the off season and it's much easier to control that i tend to be you know my I don't, my dog isn't a free feeder but i see myself as one and when i'm hungry i eat that restriction those things like that we, we've talked about that on our facebook page like people really see like oh my god i had a little debbie brownie today it's okay have it enjoy it it's all good man you're running right now you have to fuel your body Again, there's good fuel, poor fuel. You know, it's like putting gas in a car, man. You can't put diesel in, in, a, in a race car. 
Right. Uh, you know, probably a topic for another day, but mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of intuitive eating. Yeah. Um, and just making sure that, like, if your body's asking for something, you're listening to your body. Yeah. You're not restricting it. You can have your diet of choice, but don't be so strict in it that you aren't allowing yourself to have certain things. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a vegetarian, that's awesome and you can be really successful. Sure. But if one day you're really needing that piece of bacon, like... Eat the bacon. No one's, no one's going to track you down and yell at you. <laughs> Uh, same with if you're training for a marathon and you have ice cream, it's it's not going to ruin your race. Yeah, newsflash, people. Ice cream, it's delicious. Oh, I love ice cream. Um, speaking of which, <laughs> why do you crave tr- sugar during a training cycle? Uh, well, there's a lot of carbohydrate demand going on. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really big part of it. Um, also, as you mentioned earlier, right, brain fuel. Anytime that's like, man, I feel foggy, I feel uh, – you're either dehydrated – a little, little carbohydrate, a little bump of, uh, you know, that. Again, we, we can talk about, you know, kind of this roller coaster we ride, both from insulin and sugar intake, where we might have that, like, crash that happens, and it's because of what kind of carbohydrates are we putting in. You take that handful of Skittles, and it's like jet fuel. It's like, yes. It's like anytime you've ever had flat Coke at an Ultra, that next mile, like, you have achieved enlightenment and you feel amazing. And then second mile, it's like, oh my God, who took my legs away? I feel like garbage. It's because it's a very, very quick carbohydrate stimulus, which again, insulin levels come up inversely to kind of counteract that. And so when we do that, we want to make sure that we have a good mix of carbohydrates. I'll I'll make it short and sweet here. You can't just have really short chain carbohydrates. You'll get that like skyrocket effect. You also need some long chain carbohydrates. And those typically are considered your things like a piece of bread. And bread and Skittles don't go well together. I realize this. But you can have a, a mix of things there where it's like you might need something to kind of bring that blood sugar level up and then something to help maintain it because you don't want to constantly be dipping up and down and up and down. It's just it's exhausting. Absolutely. And I think, so the other thing that often causes this is not sleeping enough um, that I've seen with athletes. And so we're increasing our miles. So you're like, I'm still sleeping eight hours a night. I'm still sleeping seven hours a night. I've always slept this amount. Why is that not enough anymore? It's like, well, we've increased our mileage so much and your body is needing to recover. Yeah. And you're probably not sleeping as well. If you're in the midst of a training cycle, you might be dealing with a little bit of insomnia, a little bit of waking up throughout the night. You might not be getting this. Body temperature is always a big thing for me. Yeah. Um, So all of that can kind of lead to those afternoon sugar cravings Mm -hmm. when that's paired with that carbohydrate craving. That's when we get, you know, athletes to talk about, you know, all they, all they can think about is sugar. They can't stop with the sugar. Yeah. Um, so you're exactly right. Like one given a little bit, you know, keep a couple pieces of chocolate in your desk. Um, I know when I, I had a more office job than currently, um, and you know, I would just keep a little thing of M&Ms and have a couple here and there. Um, but then also some fruit all, you know, I would give myself some tea uh, in the afternoon to kind of get that sweet tooth cured. Yeah. Um, so then I could eat a little bit more smart. And because I was like, okay, my body's asking for fuel. I want to go down to the vending machine and buy all the Skittles and Pop-Tarts, but probably shouldn't do that. Well, and I tend to go towards something called fruit. It's not eaten nearly enough. (laughs) No, fruit is probably the best. And you can, you can add, like put a little bit of Nutella on that banana. If you really Mm -hmm. want that chocolate 
taste and it's gonna be great throw an apple in your salad like you know these are these are little little things that you can do that might curb that like oh i know i'm gonna get my sweet tooth thing so like throw a little bit of apple some dried cranberries some dark cherries again dark cherries things like that those dark colored fruits and vegetables are great for recovery so sprinkle those things in and you know maybe some walnuts heck cheese I don't know, right? That's not, no, no, I'm kind of getting hungry, but like. And I'm like, ooh, maybe we should get some chocolate and fruit, nuts and cheese. But again, like you mentioned, like those are all good things to keep around and put them in your meals. I think where people can kind of, you know, go back to that weight loss discussion for a second. It's not that the meals get you. It's usually the things in between the meals that you're like, oh, well, I just had a handful over here and then I had maybe another handful over there. It's like, that adds up. Right. And so it's like, again, you need to have your snacks that the day to maintain your fueling. Be conscious to what those are. Absolutely. So last one. When should I consider taking supplements? What are some cues that I'm not getting enough nutrients in my diet? I'll let you kick this one off. Yeah. Uh, So we kind of, as we mentioned before, if this is a concern, go to a doctor, go to, or I'd say just a doctor first before you go to a nutritionist and get some blood work done. Yeah. Um, They can tell you for sure. Um, I know I've had extremely low iron in, you know, when I was in high school and then throughout my life. So after I found out the first time what that felt like, I was able to kind of, you know, when I start to get that feeling again, take care of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not something you should make, be making that decision on your own. Yeah. Um, some cues I have seen with people, um, is that constant fatigue where you're waking up exhausted, yep. you aren't feeling rested. Um, you feel like you're losing energy again, that bloating, um, excessive weight loss or again, because of that bloating, that weight gain, um, weak fingernails, brittle hair, uh, if things are starting to get really severe, that might be what you start to notice. Uh, your skin might be getting a little bit more pale, the dark circles underneath your eyes, a slight yellow tinge to your skin, um, worsening mood or insomnia, I think are probably what we see most with runners. Um, you know, those all sound very severe if you're getting all of them, but usually it's just one or two at a time that yeah. might be popping up. And I think, um, you know, when we talk about supplementation, I think the number one thing I want to stress here is that you should be getting what you need from your diet. Hard stop. So you need to be eating a diet that has plants, leafy greens, Fruits, vegetables, all of those different things are going to provide a different array of minerals and vitamins and all of those things. We can't just look at powders and pills as a way to solve the problem. Now, is there no reason to supplement? No, there may be a reason to do it. And so what I do, and this is something I do with some of my high-performance youth athletes, I do it with... Any adult athlete that can afford it is blood testing, like you mentioned. Uh, we, I use personally use a company called athletebloodtest.com. They're actually local here in Golden, Colorado. The reason I use them is you get a panel, and then the results don't just say, hey, here's some stuff that you probably don't know what your ferritin level is and you know what your you know A1C is and all that stuff. It actually says, hey, these are things that are outside of the normal range for an athlete. It's the reason it's athlete blood test, not just Joe Schmo's blood test factory. They're going to also give you a, here's some things to add to your diet. And then if that's not enough, here's some supplements that we recommend. And it's, it's truly a tertiary use in terms of supplementation. 
you're going to see on Instagram, you're going to see everywhere, take BCAAs as their branch chain amino acids. You need to take this protein powder after you work out. You need to take this pre-workout supplement so you can do your workout even better, even harder. No, you don't. Like by majority, you need to get and fuel your body with a normal everyday diet. Supplementation comes when we start to see that our body is rapidly using something or we're having some sort of, um, I guess, body process that falls outside the norm. For example, women, you know, having your period, menstruation is a completely normal process and it's one that's demanded by the body. And with that becomes a higher amount of iron loss and blood loss. So guess what? You might need to supplement iron, especially those that are young women and even women that are starting to, even if you're almost premenopausal, you still may need to do that because you may have a really heavy period and that may follow you for your entire life. You're going to need to supplement that and you have to know the signs of that. We can talk all about like relative energy deficiency syndrome. We can talk about eating disorders on a whole nother episode, but when it comes to supplements, very rarely do I feel that athletes need to supplement in their diet, just naturally. Now, again, if you're not able to get these things or food isn't easily accessible, okay, that's a great thing. Like I can't, you know, take a protein shake after your morning gym session and then have your oatmeal at work or whatever it is. You may put that in there, great little boost for the day. That's not what I'm really talking about here. I'm talking about taking 10, 15 supplements it's excessive. It's not necessary. You don't need this to increase brain function or whatever. No, I completely agree. And like I said, I think that's again, something to, to bring to a nutritionist or professional yeah. if it is a concern. Yeah. Um, not self-diagnosing. Um, a coach will definitely work with you about yeah. it, but you know, it's, there's people who have specific degrees in that area. Yeah. Uh, seek them out. Um, so the last thing we were oh, going to yeah. do is, uh, share our favorite, uh, pre, during and post run foods. Um, I, for me, you know, uh, morning runs, as I said, coffee, latte, whole milk, um, goes down pretty easy. Get out the door within about a half an hour later in the day. Um, I'm going to have, uh, you know, depending on what it is, I might have a PB and J sandwich. Um, just Again, it's got the jelly's got some great fast acting carbohydrates. I've got some bread. I got some peanut butter. I'm good for up to 90 minutes usually, right about there. Um, during a run, you know, I tend to uh, have a pretty light stomach with things, so I'm either going to take a 20 ounce water bottle, um, and I've tried a bunch of different stuff lately. Um, I've had really good luck with brands like Genucan. I've had uh, good luck in the summer with things like Scratch Labs. Um, and then I'm trying another one right now. Um, it is the Ginger Maple. Oh, it's from Vermont. It's actually really good. Um, I, it's the untapped uh, Ginger Maple. It's phenomenal because the ginger for me always helps keep my stomach super uh, even. And it's almost kind of spicy enough that it's it, it feels feels good. After a run, um, as I mentioned, chocolate milk is a, is a big favorite. But honestly, for me, eggs and rice. For whatever reason, eggs, rice, and salsa is awesome. If I'm feeling a little bougie, I might throw some plant-based sausage or like tempeh. Uh, they make a, a great smoky tempeh that I'll put in the pan there. And it's like I'll have breakfast all day long. I'm getting really hungry. Uh, so I'll actually pass it off to you where yeah. your favorites are. 
Yeah. So it's, for me, it's going to vary if I'm training for a marathon versus an ultra. Uh, marathon, you know, beforehand, it will probably be something like a banana and toast mm-hmm. um, or banana and bagel, more likely, uh, with that coffee. Um, you know, during the run, I tend to stick with gels. Occasionally, I'll do chews. Um, honey stingers always work well for me. I like the gin sting yep. because it kind of has that like... It, it's, it's ginger, man. It, yeah, it's that ginger. And then it's also just like has a little bit of a energy boost, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, and... You know, I might go between water and noon, just depending on how long the run is. Um, I also like it's SIS uh, yeah. fuel, and it has a lot of water in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're a little bit bigger, so they don't fit in my, like, hip pack as well. But they're real great if I'm just, like, trying to carry a little bit less and, like, um, make it more of an efficient run. Um, and then afterward, uh, for both ultra or marathon training it, this has been my craving of every run since like high school but i love like uh yogurt granola and fruit mm. um it's just something i can eat right away and it's like refreshing yeah um if i'm training for an ultra i do a bigger breakfast i usually do um eggs toast and avocado um with a little bit of butter on the toast just to kind of get all those food groups in uh, there. everything bagel seasoning on top Ooh, that'd be i do i do a lot of salt you can um, tell we're getting hungry. Yes. Yeah. And then during the run, um, I like to make sweet potato pierogies. Um, I bake them there in our cookbook that we will also put into our show notes. Um, but it's a little creation I made. Uh, so I have some sweet potato. I have some carbohydrates going on there with the pierogi, a little bit mm-hmm. of salt, a little bit of sugar. Um, and then other than that, I like to make like rice cakes and rice balls with some peanut butter and jelly in them or some uh, blueberries and chocolate. Uh, to kind of get that sweet savory thing going on. Yeah. Um, and we'll put some resources in the uh, in the show notes here. We're both really big fans of Alan Lim's Portables book. Um, we both have uh, Run Fast, Eat Slow, uh, Shalane Flanagan's cookbook there. I haven't checked out Emma Coburn's uh, soon-to-be or book that's out yet. Um, last thing I'll leave here because I know we're going to do another one of these about fueling for racing. Um, one of my personal tricks to just kind of give you guys a little nugget for later is that before a race, I like to drink day old coffee. It's one of my favorite things. It's really concentrated. I don't need a full cup of it because I tend to find that if I drink a full cup of coffee before a race, I got to pee halfway through the race and you can budget those in. But if you're going for a PR You don't want to have any reason it's going to make you stop. So we're going to talk all about that in a future episode. Lexi, anything else to give the people? Uh, No. So like I said, we'll also have the link to our Lifelong Endurance uh, cookbook with the you know, our coaches contributed to, uh, we'll put in those other links as well. Um, but if you guys want what I will put out there for you guys right now, again, bottom in the show notes there is we have an entire Facebook page that's dedicated to our athletes and our coaches. Uh, so if you're someone that even if you're not coached by us, add yourself to the group, let us know that you found us through the podcast. We'll add you guys into the group and use this as a resource. It's why we created it. We created it as a place to not only facilitate questions for this podcast, but to also just be a resource where you can come ask questions. doesn't matter how weird or, you know, what you might think it is. I can promise you someone else in this group has struggled with it. So go ahead, find us on Facebook there. It's called Lifelong Endurance Athletes and Coaches page. And we'll let you in. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see you next week. See you next week.